Welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast, everyone. My name is Nick Ferry. I can be found at nickferry.com. Joined with April Wilkerson can be found at wilkerdues.com. And Jay Bates, who can be found at jayscustomcreations.com. How is everyone doing today? Doing good. How are you? I am peachy keen like a jelly bean. I am fine and dandy. Oh, that didn't rhyme. I'm not good at rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> who said it needed to rhyme? Well, I was just trying to follow suit with you. Oh, okay. Well, I don't even own a suit, so it's going to be difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into the meat and potatoes of it, I'd like to thank a couple of contributors since we had our last podcast. Uh, Joseph Munich, I'm guessing Munich. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, Louis Uberg, William Valentine, and Jason Rausch. So thank you all very, very much. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. We very much appreciate it. All right. Going right into breaking news. Who wants to take this one first? Uh, I guess I can. I am finally got the momentum rolling in the shop and just excited to be in there and making stuff. Uh, I've got my easel project sitting in clamps right now. Uh, this weekend I'm making a extremely simple painted easel and on the easel I'll have a uh, chalkboard frame, two separate pieces. It's not all built together. And uh, that's for my sister's wedding in September. So I'm excited to get that done. And um, just excited to be back in the shop. I finally got the momentum rolling. That is a good feeling. I've been outside of my. I was just going to say it's a stupendous feeling. Stupendous feeling. <laughs> Talk about derailing the train car there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh you, man, I that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. Sorry, go ahead, April. You, um, I've been out of my shop for the last two weeks, two and a half weeks or so, because I've been outside doing that fence project. But I finally got that done, so I was kind of in the same boat. I finally got back into my shop. It was it was so messy. I mean, every single flat surface had stuff just covered, and so I I spent some time cleaning it up, and then I spent the entire next day just at the lathe with my music on, and uh, it's finally cooler weather. And it was, it's, it's funny just how quickly a day in the shop goes when you're turning. Oh yeah. So you went from a clean shop to a messy shop immediately with the lathe. Yeah. With all that dust. Definitely. I need to set up the, uh, the desk, uh, the desk collector on it or at least try it and see if I can at least reduce some of the mess that it makes. What's the favorite thing that you turned on the lathe so far? Well, I've only turned those, those shaker things. I was practicing trying to make repetitive uh, shapes. So, um, yeah, I just grabbed one of the simplest shakers that I made and just to see if I could recreate it. And it's, it's pretty difficult trying to recreate something that you already did. It's just a lot of fiddling and finagling. And I don't remember exactly what I did in order to create some of the, some of the shapes that I did. So it's just kind of more playing around. Have you thought about making a, like for whatever shape you're trying to make, a profile of it on a, like a profile template on it. And then you can hang that somehow right above your workpiece, So you have visual reference, like right next to each other. Yeah. I was thinking about doing something of the sort. I've been just laying the piece on the workbench right in front of the lay. So I could just glance down and kind of compare the shape that way. But it's more of a, I just don't have the skill yet to, I think like the, the shape that I really liked that I was trying to create, it just had a nice flow to it. And I think it was just, blind look that I ended up getting it to be that flowy 
So trying to recreate it, it was just coming out wonky. And it's very subtle differences, but it's definitely differences that I can see whenever I'm holding them up next to one another. And it just, it was driving me nuts not being able to just recreate it. But it was still fun, whole day in the shop just turning. So on back to the lathe dust collection you were talking about, are you talking about some something near the lathe for actually collecting dust or the chips, like hooking your dust collector to the backside of it, like a uh, shroud kind of thing, or just like ambient dust because the, the lathe stirs up so much of it? I need to do both. I have those two grizzly air uh, intakes that hang on the ceiling that I, I was going to hang up in uh, in the shop. I have two of them. And then I also, Rockler sent me a shroud that I was going to try to put on the backside of the lathe so I can start collecting if dust at the minimal, but chips at the, at the best. Yeah, I've got one of those. I, I bought one of those aftermarket shrouds. I think it was from Penn State Industries. And it works really great, but well, yeah, well, it works really great for um, small spindle stuff like salt and pepper shakers, pens, stuff around that size. But my dust collector is so darn loud that I think standing next to it, even with hearing protection, that is more annoying than the dust in the shop. So I just, I mean, I bought it and I don't use it anymore. And as a matter of fact, I moved my lace to the other side of the shop. Um, but your your dust collector is in that outside kind of shed kind of thing, so it's it's pretty quiet in the shop. It, yeah, it is, but I wouldn't be using the Harbor Freight one, I don't think, because I also have that dust rate unit that can hang on the wall, and it's portable. So right now, I recently hook it up to uh, my miter saw, but I'm thinking about taking it off my miter saw and hooking it up to the lathe, and that way I can have, because it has, I don't even remember the horsepower on it. I want to say it's a three quarter. No, I don't, I don't even remember, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fine dust collector and it's not, it's not too awfully loud. The Rockler uh, shroud, does that have a four inch port for dust collector or for a shop vac? Uh Uh-huh. For a uh, dust collector. Okay, cool. (laughs) You answered, uh uh-huh. Is it two inch or four inch? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Of course. (laughs) I I think with me for the (laughs) <laughs> for the lathe, um, the the chips aren't a big deal. They just sweep up real quick. But I'll, I'll definitely need to do something as far as the fine dust when sanding, uh, just because you you can see it as soon as you, as soon as you put the uh, emery cloth or sandpaper on there, you can completely see the just the build up, the little cloud, and uh, that's definitely something that I'm going to have to address. But uh, yeah, agreed. I even thought about trying to get one of those face masks that um, Chris. I forget Chris's channel name. He Toolify? used to be Toolify. Yeah, Toolify. Um, that Toolify wears in his shop to where it's just a full face, full, full face seal respirator. Yeah, I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's made by Trend. And it actually pumps air in, pumps filtered air in to just kind of keep everything from blowing into your face. Could be wrong on that, but if I am right, I'll put a link in the show notes. But he wears it, if he's in a shop, regardless of what he's doing, he's wearing his respirator. And it's probably the smartest way to go, but I just don't have the discipline to do that. I, I, I wouldn't be able to keep it on my face for that long. But, um, I mean, even a, even if a respirator is comfortable, I still take it off immediately. So, but, I mean, yeah, definitely doing something to, during the, the sanding portion or turning some of the exotic woods, just a little bit of protection is better than none. 
Can we, in the uh, on the website article, um, it just kind of shifting gears slightly, can we add a poll somehow? Like, can we poll people? Yeah, we can do like a Google form. I would love to do a poll on uh, earmuffs, hearing protection. When April said even a good respirator, it seems like she, she takes it off as soon as she's done with the task. Um, I would like to know what like i mean it could be a generic question but I, I would like to maybe put out like four or five different earmuffs and see if people have experience with them and which the most comfortable one is just because i i oftentimes will just make a quick cut and not put on hearing protection just because it's inconvenient and then i won't leave them on for any ex- extended period of time because they're not the most comfortable in the world they're not uncomfortable but i don't wear the earmuffs but i wear the in 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 the ear hearing protection so even if somebody has a good recommendation on those. Yeah, I um, I do wear the earmuffs, and I do have a good recommendation on mine. I'll post a link to those, the ones that I use. Uh, but I've gotten in the habit to where I, it, they're, they're an inconvenience to take on, take off, take on, take off. But I can't stand the, the noise from the machines. So most of the time, I'll just leave them on. Like if I'm doing... Uh, you know, a couple cuts and doing a glue up and doing, if I know I'm going to do some more cuts down the road, I'll just leave them on throughout the whole glue up. Same with safety glasses though. I found that um, uh, they're more of an inconvenience to take them off, put them back on, take them off, put them back on. Then you forget where you put them. So I just, I just got in the habit of leaving them on. Or they get scratched up. I was thinking about uh, adding earmuffs to the tools that I, I always religiously use them at, like the router table. It's just so loud and whiny. I was thinking maybe I'll just invest in a couple extra sets and just hang them right there. That way, if I'm at the tool and I go to turn it on, right next to the on button will be the earmuffs so that you know I, I get in that habit rather than, okay, I'll just make this quick you know, round over because I don't want to spend the two minutes looking for them. You know. Yeah, the belt right. sander too. Your belt sander is extremely loud, so is mine. It's one of the tools that I never go without hearing protection on. Well, mine's about to kick the bucket, I think, is the reason. it's It's got to be at least 10 years old and it, kind of a consumer model. Um, so I'm, I'm not – and people are like, oh, you could probably fix it, change some bear- – no, I want, I want it to completely kick the bucket because that way I got an excuse to get a new one. So. Uh, random thinking here, going back to your, your lathe and your dust collection. Um, have you thought about there, that black cabinet that you have above the lathe? Have you thought about relocating that – and then building some type of dedicated lathe, um, like ambient air collector to go on that wall. Uh, I know I haven't given an ambient air collector specifically for the lathe in that location any thought, but I do need to either, you know, it's, it's a cheap, um, like Harbor Freight metal cabinet that Jay's referring to. And the, you know, like the doors are just a cheap sheet metal. So I can't really mount anything on the doors but and you know that cabinet could probably come down altogether and make a um i've been wanting to i've been playing around with different ideas for you know like a tool cabinet that could be like a lathe specific cabinet i think would be the best for that area but no that's that's not a bad idea thinking about some sort of ambient air filtration right there it makes a huge difference like when i when i turn on the when i use the lathe and i don't have my air air cleaner cart going i can tell that you know there's dust in the air but if i roll the air cleaner cart right next to it and turn it on it makes a huge difference on how much i can um tell that how much dust is in the air i hate to admit this but when when it comes to filters and anything ambient air which i do have plans to make an ambient air filter for the general shop space but filters to me 
will, I'll forget about them. I'll be too lazy. Even if I could set a reminder in my phone, if I'm in the middle of a, a task, I'll just, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get to that in 10 minutes and then I'll forget it for six months or so. Agreed. Know. I'm the same way. Yeah. Not, not easy to admit that because it's important. And with my air conditioner now, I've changed or I've cleaned out the filter twice, but it could have been cleaned out like four times already. <laughs> That's crazy. I've had I've had my uh, AC going well, my AC heat pump for a full year now, and I think I vacuumed out the filter and and uh, the coils three times, four times maybe. I haven't done it much at all, and every time I open it up, it's it's barely even dirty. Well, that, I mean, you do have dust collection active in your shop. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Nick doesn't have any dust collection. Well, his whole I, shop I is like... dust collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I he's like... got the four walls. Come on now. <laughs> I like having that uh, that freedom to just, I have no, I, I got no excuse for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we got to you yet, Nick. What, what do you got going on in your shop? A lot of trying to tie up loose ends projects. Like my hardware organizer needs some dire attention i need to get that thing done just for the usefulness of it i can't believe i've been putting it off this long or you know but i had you guys over for uh, you know a week and a half and then for those that aren't aware i was in new york all last week at youtube and uh so no shop time you know completely out of state for that so it's just a lot of you know kind of cleaning house getting organized finishing up you know the the tail ends of projects. Did you get to see Deresto while in New York? Uh no, I I had contacted him and uh, thir- th- there was a miscommunication. I thought he said he was going to be coming back in to town um, and being there Thursday until like Friday, but he meant Thursday was going to be the only day he was going to be back. But yeah, not a big deal. Um, I'm sure I'll catch him next time. I I, th- I think I might be back in New York sometime in the future. Cool. So, how was the whole uh, YouTube experience? Tell us about that. It it was it was pretty cool. Um, you know, like Google, I guess by nature is is big into uh, uh, food, <laughs> and uh, man, breakfast, lunch, and dinner was just crazy catered and and man, and New York pizza is by far my favorite pizza now. But yeah, the whole the whole space it was it was basically. Um, a contest that I entered um, to you, you submit a little video and you know they sent you there and they tried to you know take classes in different lighting and production just overall to make your channel better and there there was a lot of you know great moments learning experiences just overall it was a, a fun fun time how many people went with you or did you guys have like a class how many how many people was doing the same thing I want to say there was 14 or 15 other channels Wow, not that many. No, um, and we were we were broken up into groups of three, except for our group um, was four people, and we had uh, a total of three. I guess you call them makers, and one photographer. And uh, yeah, it just it went. And, and it, throughout the week, we had a trivia to win, overall win the week, I guess. And of course, our group won. You know. Hey, that's cool. But no, definitely a, a fun time. Uh, they have a company called B and H in town. There, there's like they're like the world's largest uh, supplier of camera and video production and still photography equipment. And that that was a cool place to go tour their their flagship store. 
B&H is out of New York? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, they were about... Uh, most people would walk it. Uh, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say they're probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 blocks from YouTube. The, well, I the probably food, wouldn't walk uh, it either. Well, and that and our hotel was in Manhattan. And uh, maybe if people are from New York, they, they already know this. But, man, it's expensive there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a cheeseburger that was like $42. Wow. What? Yeah. And it was Did they it was give you nothing. the whole cow? <laughs> and it and it was nothing like super fancy, like wow, this is the best cheeseburger I've ever had in my life. But it was it was it was interesting. It yeah, it would have been nice to stop by and see Jimmy, but uh yeah, it just wasn't in the cards this time. So next time. Yep. All right, I want to jump into a question real quick. Brian Glenn Denning asks, I need to build some shop cabinets, but have never built plywood cabinets before. I have the tooling for all of pocket holes, dominoes, rabbits, dados. Which technique should I use? Uh, would the answers change if I was building cabinets for the kitchen rather than my shop? Um, all of those, just just a quick answer, all of those would work, whichever one you're... Um, they have different time um, parameters, I guess. Pocket holes are probably one of the quickest... Rabbits involve setup time with the table saw. Dominoes are pretty quick as well, but you have to clamp the glued assembly. Um, for general cabinets, though, I'm always pretty much going to go with pocket holes. They're so quick, and they, they're just the perfect application for cabinets. Especially in a shop. I mean, but he even said, ask about kitchen. The majority of kitchen cabinets are put together with pocket holes. Yeah, the face frames and kitchen cabinets, the vast majority of them are put together with pocket holes. Uh, and that's not the only joint you'll use in making a cabinet. You can use pocket holes for the face frames and then use rabbits or dados to attach those to the actual carcasses, uh, boxes. Um, you can use rabbits and dados to assemble the boxes themselves. Um Basically, any place that you're not going to see a pocket hole, you can use a pocket hole, I would suggest anyway. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, Shop cabinets, I actually would probably build a little bit differently, but not for what most people would think. But kitchen cabinets, that to me is considered a built-in. I mean, and when, you, when the next homeowner, whomever, is going to do a renovation, or if they move, they're not taking those with them. So I, when, anytime I've ever done built-in cabinets, I don't, I don't really much, um, care for any type of joint. I mean, if you're building a standalone end table, sideboard, something like that, to where that is going to become a piece to where when you move, you take it with you. I would focus more on those type of pieces for the, the nicer joinery. And also keep in mind, if you're doing say, you know, cabinets and they're next to each other. You can you know put screws right in from the side because nobody's ever gonna see that, and uh, yeah, I I'm a big fan of dados in like main shelves just because of the whole structure and just the strength to that joint. But yeah, any any of those would work. Let's see here. Uh, next question: the Dan Helgot Helgavot Helfgot the Dan Helfgot. It's off, my, right. <laughs> it's off my Instagram. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Are you guys involved in any local woodworking clubs or is YouTube community your club? Well, I'll just say that the whole YouTube community is the best club 
<laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any local stuff. Uh, YouTube community probably my only uh, quote unquote club. But I live in Mississippi, which is like the desert for woodworking. There's very, very, very few woodworking resources right here in central Mississippi or uh, north or south Mississippi, for that matter. I'm not currently involved with the. There's a local woodworking club to me. I'm not involved with them. Uh, in the in the meetup when Jay and April were uh, visited me, uh, there were quite a few members to that local club, and and we we'd been in talks, um, but nothing currently for me. Yeah, I, it, it's I'm not against them by any stretch of the imagination. It's just the finding time and also a regular commitment. It's just kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough sometimes to commit to things. Not only that, but whenever you take into consideration I'm the same boat, I don't I don't I don't participate in any of the local clubs. And it's not because I'm against them, it's just because I think that I would imagine that if I was just a regular woodworker in Texas, um always isolated in my shop and always looking for somebody to kind of like talk about shop projects with or designs or just be around other people who are into the same stuff as me. Um, since most people aren't into woodworking, I would find the, the joining a club to be really beneficial. But since we're on YouTube, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm sure it's the same boat, but I mean, I'm just, I have endless people to, to talk shop with you guys. Definitely. Since we were always doing the podcast, but also just a lot of in the comment section, tons of emails. And so I actually have somebody local to me saying, Hey, I'm going to be in town um, can we get together and have a cup of coffee and just talk shop? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, I, do, I honestly don't have time. And I feel bad because I'm not starving for people to talk shop with. Um, but I can see how if you're just a woodworker in a, in the town, then, you know, it would be probably a little bit more difficult to, to find somebody who's in, into the same stuff. I miss I the neighborhood I grew up in I actually kind of miss because there was at least four or five different people that any given day they would have their garage open whether it's tinkering with a lawnmower or mending a fence or building a trellis or you know fixing a spot in the sidewalk just that overall doing stuff with your hands uh I don't have that in my neighborhood now I have a couple local guys really close to me professional woodworkers but that's their day job. That's their 40 hours a week. And they don't really care to hang out in a shop, anything past that, which is totally understandable. But I wish I just had a couple of neighbors that would, hey, if they see the garage door open, you know, come by. Or if I, you know, but I, I don't really have that right now. But that, that'd be nice. That'd be better to a, than a club to me anyway. Definitely. Especially if they're cool. I have about two neighbors who are always poking their head in, um, seeing what I'm up to. And... That's it is nice. It's a, a different sort of hanging out than even like what this sort of hanging out that we do and meeting people uh, at like the events and stuff. So I agree that it, that is a nice thing to have. Well, I guess you have Kevin right down the road, don't you, Nick? The gentleman we met at the meetup, and then he also uh, turns. We went and saw yeah, the shop. I, I'm I'm saying like within three or four houses. Oh yeah, house. walking distance. I get you. Yeah, exactly. And th- and that's another thing with the club is, you know, whether they meet weekly or you know twice a month or even once a month, uh, that's just a, 
I'm, I'm a very sporadic person, and it's hard for me to commit to, oh, hey, say the second Saturday of a month, you know, we're going to have this get-together. I'd rather just, you know, if I see a guy working on his lawnmower three houses down, just walk over with a beer and be like, hey, what are you doing? General maintenance? Something break? You know, how's the weather? Type thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, did that, did that gentleman down the road from you ever finish that fence? As we were driving by in Wisconsin, there was this gentleman that was outside by himself doing a log sort of fence. And Nick says that he had been out there for, what, a, a month previous, still working yeah. on the fence? Um, but he was dedicated. I mean, he was out there every day. We went. We had to go into town at least once a day to go get yeah. something. And every single day, he would be out there working on that fence. For all intents and purposes, I think it's done. Mm-hmm. He's working on straightening some of the posts. Um, I'm trying to say this, you know, as, as kindly as possible, but it seemed like he was really struggling with that fence. And I just, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know the point of the fence because it's, he doesn't have like pickets between them or anything. Um, but no, he's still tinkering with it. He's still, um, I think it's uh, just for scenic value because I mean, it's what are, are they landscape timbers or the actual just rounded over rounded logs? Yeah, they're just, you know, rounded, you know, something you'd build, like almost, uh, we just call it up north furniture, but, um, you know, essentially log furniture. That's, mm-hmm. you know, the mortise and tenon, um, you know, with the the cut the radial cutters and stuff. But, uh, you know, he's got all the pieces in. I think he's just fine-tuning it mm-hmm. at this point. All right, jumping back to the uh, meetup and hanging out with other woodworking topic, uh, wo- other woodworkers topic, are you guys going to WIA this uh, September in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, I I decided uh, like two days ago, and it, it, again, it's the weird commitment thing for me. I'm not the best to to plan long term, but I finally said, you know what? It's only like an eight, eight and a half, nine hour drive for me, so I, I'll make the drive. I'll go. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. You're driving? Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's, wow. he's bringing the whole family fly. again. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I think I'm pretty much convinced to go, you know, and I'm sitting here tallying up the cost of airfare and the hotels, but I don't know. I think it'd be great to be able to see you guys again. I know Cremona's going to be there. Um, Karen from Tool School over in Australia is coming. Um, Yeah, and I haven't been to Cincinnati. She might get the award for travel the furthest. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a bit much. That is a distance. So, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it, it should be fun. Um, nothing official planned, I mean, unless we plan something right now. We should plan something for like a Saturday night meetup, but yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, we don't have anything planned, or I don't know of anybody who does have anything planned, but uh, if you guys are going to Woodworking in America in Cincinnati in September, uh, stop by the woodworkingpodcast.com, the uh, show notes for this article. And just just leave a comment. Let us know you're coming, and let us know if you'd be interested in some type of um, either Friday night or Saturday night uh, dinner someplace. You know, just like last year we hang we hung out uh, at uh, what, what was the place? The Cashew in Kansas City. Yeah, good good recall. I think that is what it's called. But yeah, if if you're interested in hanging out uh, one night after the show, let us know. And if you are gonna going to attend the show, uh, let us know as well. I won't be attending any of the classes. I'm just going to go for the marketplace. Um, the video woodworkers booth is not going to be there this year. Uh, the only reason, honestly, that I'm really going is because 
it's halfway in between um, my house and my sister's house in Michigan, which I've already scheduled to attend her wedding. So I'm going that way anyway. Might as well just uh, make an extra little one or two day trip out of it. When it, when is her wedding? The following weekend? Yeah, her wedding's the following weekend. It's the following Friday. Uh, but as soon as the show's over, I was already planning on going that weekend anyway, but as soon as the show's over, I'm going to go uh, straight up to Michigan and um, hang out at my dad's house for that whole week. That'd be cool. Cool. You got any concerts on the agenda while you're seeing your, your dad? No concerts that I know of. No, my dad's like, my dad's a concert fiend. That's like his thing to do up there. And concert tickets are so cheap up there too. Um, but I think he's been to probably a dozen or so already in 2016. I don't have anything planned. Who knows if he does or not. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, and hopefully we'll be able to get to tape a podcast there this time when we're all three together. We don't wait till 1 a.m. I'm all for it. <laughs> Nick <laughs> is a night owl. Like I thought I was a night owl. I like to stay up till about 2 a.m., most of the nights editing and but no nick puts it to shame he is he isn't a true night owl <laughs> you guys make me feel old 10 o'clock rolls around and i'm struggling to keep my eyes open i like to be in bed at nine mother nature has built in a nice like natural like alarm system as soon as the sun is coming up that's the time to go to bed yeah and jay <laughs> what time it was it was remarkable because jay and i both noticed that nick gets like this note like not even lying, like a like a second wind, or like his first wind, I guess is what it's called. Uh, what is it like at ten o'clock at night, Jay? Yeah. I mean, it's something remarkable. It's it's me and Jay are starting to like slowly drag, and Nick's all of a sudden just cracking jokes and has all this energy, and he's dancing around the shop. <laughs> That's when his coffee kicks in. Yeah. Oh, good gosh. Uh- <laughs> so yeah, two a.m. rolls around. Nick wants to record a podcast, and I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> but no, but, we should we, did, we should definitely do that. We should record one. That way it's a, a video, right, is what your idea is? Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Um, I mean, not that video would be super spectacular awesome, but it would at least give us the opportunity, and we should probably get some pictures, all three of us together. We did get a couple here, but like nothing like Ansel Adams worthy, you know? I love the one of us at the restaurant, <laughs> at the sushi restaurant. Yeah. Which which Jay tried sushi. I don't so think that was. Oh, the sushi restaurant. I remember that. Oh, I I tried sushi for the first time, and no, now I'm not a sushi fan. You might be. You only tried one roll. I mean, you should try multiple ones because I mean they all have different flavors. One really disgusting roll was enough to tell <laughs> me that. That's my fault. I started them off on eel instead of something simple yeah. like shrimp or crab. <laughs> Or, or even just, a California roll would have been nice to start them off. That's with. crab, but yeah, that was my bad. I you got a good steak out of the deal. Oh yeah, me and steak, steak and potatoes, meat and potatoes. There you go. go. Way back. Let me go way back. Going going back to when you guys visited, I can't remember if we talked about this or not. But what was the like the biggest takeaway? Well, don't all jump off at once. <laughs> well, okay, so I was I was <laughs> contemplating between which one. I loved hanging out with you guys. Like, I, I know that we all get on really well on these uh, hangouts through the computer, but, like, it was just really super satisfying being in a shop environment, hanging out with two buddies. Um, I didn't realize that I would enjoy it as much as I did. And there, I think I told you early, early in the, earlier in the week that I often find myself just kind of sitting around thinking, damn, I wish Jay and Nick were here. 
<laughs> or like I passed through a roundabout yesterday and I thought, hey, look, a roundabout. <laughs> I was going to text it to you guys and I thought, no, Another I won't. <laughs> Wisconsin, is, Wisconsin is full of roundabouts. I'd say um, uh, the biggest takeaway from the trip for me was uh, just having a different perspective on the same thing. Mainly, uh, the, the last day we rec- we uh, each made a clock and each, each of us had to work uh, amongst each other. But watching everyone else accomplish theirs, um, just just visually seeing someone else's thought process was pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to that video probably the most. Um, for in, in case you guys don't know, um, the last day we, we all decided to make a clock. We had three clock movements, and we were all going to bust out a clock. Um, no, no plan, no rhyme, no reason. And yeah, all three turned out dramatically different looking. It was so crazy. And it was just so fun, like Jay said, to see. I took kind of like the the, the modern, contemporary, kind of you know, straight-lined approach. Uh, Jay's is very organic. And April's got kind of a shaker, uh, vintage vibe to it. And just very cool, um, yeah, to see it all kind of progress through the day and kind of help each other out and stuff, so... And those videos will those videos will start rolling out uh, the end of this month, if I'm not mistaken. The thing is, we we recorded three each, but there's still some scheduling issues with um, just the way that they have to be released based upon uh, what other people are, have accomplished at that time. So we're gonna start rolling them out at the end of this week, end of this month, I should say, and then from there it should be the next three or four weeks, and they should all be out. Yeah, not to mention, you know, we didn't do ourselves any favor because some of the videos we would reference other stuff that, you know, and so we have to have the the reference material out first or else it's going to make zero sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, that's that's just how it is. You know, it's sometimes it's a pain in the butt. Hashtag PITB. <laughs> pain in the butt. Yeah. Pain. So uh, just digging back through our notes here. Uh, you completed your fence, obviously, April, and you said you're designing a lathe stand. Have you put a lot of effort into, or have you put a lot of thought into, like, what exactly you're looking for yet? Yeah, I did. I uh, made a list. Um, I made a list of everything that I think I want it included on it. And then I also went and took a whole bunch of, like, measurements of different tools and accessories and the area that I have it stored in. And I have... Um, probably about three quarters of it already designed in SketchUp. That's what I've been doing pretty much all day today is uh, just doing the the 3D modeling of it, playing around with it and figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. Nice. I made my lathe stand right after getting the lathe back in the shop and not turning anything. I I didn't turn anything until I put the stand together. And um, that... kind of didn't work out in the fact that I didn't really know what I wanted uh, the stand to do um, before making it. So now that I've had it for a little while, I think I'm going to make some changes. I never use the extension on my lathe, so I'm probably going to take it off and free up that space for my grinder. That way my grinder is literally right next to my lathe. That makes a huge difference. It's That's a similar setup as the way Nick has his in his shop. His grinder is super close, super convenient. 
and the tool rack that I made works just fine. I just I just don't really like the location of it, so I'm probably going to make something along the same style, uh, but a different shape to go probably to the back left of the headstock. So uh, it, it'll kind of change the layout of that cart, but the cart itself won't change. Yeah, you brought up a really good point. That's one of the things that I'm mainly struggling with is it's so hard to build something um, with limited experience with that thing, like the lathe. I, I know that I need a place for, let's say, my helmet and my tools, but I can't really pinpoint yet what else would be useful or convenient because I haven't had enough time to be inconvenienced by, by the process to figure right. out, okay, I need, to, I need to work this into it somehow. But I'm with you. I, I've, I'm designing it to where my grinder is, there's a spot for my grinder that's going to be stored in almost like a cabinet but it's just an open cabinet carcass. And then it'll, I'm using a, a mixer lift to where um, it's for, it's made for a, one of those KitchenAid mixers in the kitchen to where you can store it in, a, in, a, in one of the below cabinets. And then the brackets swing up and makes it level with the uh, countertop. That way you can oh. store it whenever you're not using it below the, the, the counter and then raise it up whenever you need it. That's so, interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. So I'm going to use that mixer lift for uh, my grinder. And then the same thing I thought about, because one thing that I have already realized is that all my tools, what, whenever I'm turning something, they all just get tossed down. So I'm going to make a tool holder for it. And um, what else? You know, some some place uh, heavy. And I also want to want to do like a mobile base, but I want it to be the option of pushing on it and it becoming immobile. But I'm having a hard time finding a good uh, base. And so they make, I'm looking at casters now to where there's four individual, I guess they're called step-down casters, instead of an entire base where you have one pedal that controls all four, you have four individual pedals. Doesn't Rockler make, uh, check out Rockler's casters for workbenches. Each one is independent of one another, and they'll drop it all at the same time. Oh, I, I, I got those casters, but like what you said, they're independent of one another. Oh, okay. I, I had it backwards. I thought you were saying you wanted them independent. No, I mean, pr- preferably I would like it just to be one handle because the problem is, is that I have this like kind of partition in my shop where the previous owner put a porcelain sink. And so I'm, what I'm doing is using the back side of that partition to put the lathe so that I can kind of block off most of the mess that I make while turning from the rest of the shop. But the problem with that is, is that I'm butting it into a, where two walls meet. And so I can't have two casters on those two legs or I'm going to have to have it off the wall by like four or five inches. So if I can get one, one pedal that controls all four at the same time, then I can butt it up against the wall. Here's an idea. On the right-hand side, whatever side's going into that corner, use two fixed casters uh, that are permanently on the ground. And on the opposite side, use one of those foot pedal casters in the middle. That way, when it's dropped, the, whatever side's on the left, when it's dropped, that will fix the cart from moving. The right side is only limited to left and right travel because of the fixed casters, but because the left side's down, it can't move at all. Then you, you kick the left side down with the, the movable caster, and then you're basically on a tripod. Two fixed wheels, one swivel wheel. And so whenever it's down, you only have two wheels touching the ground and two solid legs? Yeah. Two okay. solid legs or the side of the cabinet that's, uh, you know, if, if it's a full piece of plywood or whatever. Cool. Yeah. I'll, that's a good idea. I'll look at it. 
Would you look at it? I'm going to look at it. Would you just look at it? That's an inside joke with, uh, who's, who is that on YouTube? M- Mr. Mumbles or Mumbles? Ed, well, Ed Bassmaster, yeah. That's it. Ed Bassmaster. Oh, he does a skit with Mumbles. That's what it is. Anyway. I, I, um, <laughs> well, I, I just loaded another question in there that I wanted to take. Because um, I, I think it's a, <clears throat> some people shy away from like the money questions, but Austin wanted to know, um, how do how do people make money uh, woodworking in their shops? How do you choose the right projects that'll make money and for your market and you know sell your work and all that good stuff? Um, the the quick answer is find out in your market because every market is going to be completely different. But just find out what the people, the consumers, are buying around you. I know Jay did really well on picnic tables, and picnic tables around here are really good. So you can you can churn out a bunch of picnic tables, or they might be um, uh, another thing around here anyways that it's really big is quilt racks. So um, these people that hand make these quilts, um, and then they can display them somewhere in their house. So find out through whatever you know Facebook or you know any type of social media to see what what's popular around by you, and then if you're willing to cater your builds around that. And then uh, just sell it for whatever you're comfortable with. So that if you sell it, say, for 50 bucks, that you're not going, oh, man, that totally wasn't worth it. Well, then don't sell it. You know, sell it for 100 then. Or maybe, pick sell, some, or maybe pick something else. If you can't make a good profit margin on it, then that's not the right project to be, try to be selling. Yeah. So, you know, find out what your market is, is you know, what they're buying. I mean, and talk to people. Even... Even set up a little poll or something on Facebook or uh, ask friends and family that, that they buy these type of um, uh, items. You know, what, are, what are they buying? You know, are they buying uh, rattlesnake holders? Probably not. Are they buying you know, quilt racks? Maybe. Picnic tables? Maybe. So. Yeah, and you can also trial and error. Try to make a few porch swings. Those are really popular in my area, uh, especially since it's uh, not cold the majority of the year. I mean, porch swings go crazy around here. And then, but I mean, you could try it, see if they sell in your area and if make two or three. And if you sell out of them quickly, then maybe make four the next time. And if they don't sell quickly, then you're not out that much time and material and you only have a few to move. And then you can try something else. Also consider what's your objective by, by the money? What's your objective with it? Are you trying to turn this into a career to where you have to support a household? Are you trying to just you know, make some extra change. Uh, you know, when I was, when I started making stuff to, to sell, it was at that point, it was never like, I wanted to quit my job to make stuff to sell. It was, I wanted to build my shop with this particular money. So I, I wasn't necessarily making crazy profits. I don't even think I was making minimum wage when it came out, when I did the math out. But at the end of the day, I was basically the way I looked at it was I was being paid to have a fun and rewarding hobby that also built my shop. So that was my perspective on it. Um, So the answer may change depending on what your end goal is, but in the video notes or video notes in the show notes to this podcast, I'll post a link to a very good article on lumberjacks. And I reference this um, just about every email that I get on the topic and it's a multiple part series blog post on Lumberjocks on Lumberjocks titled How to Price My Woodworking and Sell It um, and actually make a profit on it. And it's a very detailed um, 
article on just all kinds of things that you may not think about. So depending on what your end goal is, definitely check this out. And with that, we've reached the end of our list here. So I want to remind you that there's a couple different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. Go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and at the top, you'll find three clickable buttons to subscribe on Android, RSS, or on iTunes. And if you'd like to have a question or comment answered, well, I guess comments can't really be answered, but if you have a question that you'd like to be answered on the show, uh, fill out the contact form and it'll go right into our little spreadsheet where we pull from. And that's that. So thanks for listening. You guys take care and we'll catch you on the next one. See you everyone. See you later.